0: Good morning, Bethany Grace. Morning. It is so good to be home, let me tell you. Um, we came in last night uh, late, and uh, the spirit brought to my mind as I walked in the building this morning, you're home. And so it's been uh, so good. It is, it is uh, by the way, I should introduce myself. My name is Steve, number two. And, uh, Steve, thank you for all that you do around here. Uh, it's a, you don't have to... i uh, just, just get this out there. You don't have to have the name Steve to be on staff here. Uh, it's not a prerequisite, but... Uh, uh. So, uh, yeah, so God has really been um, putting us through the faith mill a little bit. You know what that's like? Uh, and he, he constantly, in a really kind ways, rebukes my lack of faith. You know, so uh, uh, last... Um, last week we bought a house here. You know, I was like, okay, big, big, big step of faith. You know, there's not uh, there's not that many houses on the market within a, a close proximity to uh, uh, to Bethany Grace. I, I, I guess everyone is so satisfied to live in East Earl, they just say I'm, I'm, I'm not. So you, you look at Zillow, and and there's Bethany Grace, and there's this like nine mile stretch of nothing, and then all the houses go for sale. And it's like. You know, and we, we really wanted to be central to the church because, you know, if, if we were 15 minutes on one side and you lived over here, that, that's a long way, and, and uh, you know, just wanted to be as, as close as possible. Now, not so close. There was actually a house right over here. It's like, no, that's a little too close, <laughs> you know. Um. But uh, one came up, a beautiful house on Cedar Avenue that, that uh, we were able to put in an offer, and they accepted, and so that that was awesome. And I said, you know, God, it would have been really nice if you would have sold our house in Virginia first. You know, that's usually the way things are supposed to work, but we'll trust you for this. And, and then... Uh, so our, our realtor down there said, uh, we got to get your house ready for a show. And of course, uh, so that meant uh, she came in and says, that goes, that goes, that goes, that goes. It's like, wait, that's all the stuff we used to live in, you know? So loaded up a 15-foot trailer, hauled it up to Steve's place. Steve's awesome, you know? He's just, just, he's storing all my stuff. It's like, my kids say, why don't we just move in with the levers? He's like, <laughs> sounds, sounds good to me. Um, but, uh, so, uh, you know, as I was hauling the stuff up here, I was like, you know what, I could probably just take this to the landfill and push it off. Because if we're not, not going to need it in the next five, six weeks, we probably don't need it, right? Got down, uh, prepped the house. Uh, we had a, uh, an open house uh, yesterday, and a contract came through yes- uh, last night. So, we are praising the Lord for that. Um, so we're going to give it just a little bit more time to shake out. Maybe there'll be this bidding war, and you know that'd be that be awesome. But isn't God faithful? He is so faithful. And I so I so identified with the song that we just that we just sang. Um, God moves mountains all the time for us, and then we, and then we're like, yeah, but but this one, but this one, and and He just continues to deliver in His timing, and in His way if we'll just be faithful and patient and and trust. Uh, I invite you to take your Bibles and turn to Joshua chapter 1. So it's ironic uh, or beautiful that we sang a song based on Joshua this morning. Joshua chapter 1, if you are using the Bible here, it is page 181. And we are going to uh, enter into just two weeks on vision and mission and talk a little bit here about the vision that God has given us here at Bethany Grace. So, a vision statement. I have this on good authority because it came straight from Google. It says, a vision statement is what an organization would like to ultimately achieve. It gives purpose to the existence of an organization. A vision statement. All the rage about 40 years ago uh, uh, came out uh, and then... Uh, all businesses said, we need a vision and a mission statement, and then churches, you know, we run 20 years behind, so now we're like, oh, we need a vision statement. Didn't have one for the last 2,000 years, but that's okay. Um, Actually, it it is very helpful to know what we're about. Actually, I would switch this. It's not what the organization about. This, This is the question is, what does God want to do at Bethany Grace? Let's discern that, put that down on paper, and let's shoot for that. And so that's, uh, that's what we're going to talk a little bit about, but I do have some uh, vision statements that I thought, you know what, um, I'm going to put these up here. These are corporations or businesses which you are familiar with, and we're going to look at what their vision statement is, see if you can guess it. So here's the first one, to organize the world's information and make it universally accessible and useful, Who's, whose vision statement is that? It's Google's. Very good. You guys are savvy. Here We have a bad rap in Pennsylvania, don't we? we? We know what we're talking about. All right. How about this? To be the earth's most customer-centric company, to build a place where people can come to find and discover anything they might want to buy online? Yeah. How many have, how many have ordered from Amazon in the last month? Oh, shame on you. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yes, that is Amazon. Okay, here we go. This is tougher. To make people happy. Boom. Disney. That was good. Who said that? Did, did, you, did, did you sign up for uh, Disney, uh, what's it called? Disney something? Yeah, Disney Plus. My kids want that. Yeah. All right. Here's another one. To bring inspiration and innovation to every athlete in the world, if you have a body, you are an athlete. What do you think? Very good. Very good. Nike. Yeah, you guys are good. All right. How about this? To empower people through great software, anytime, anyplace, and on any device. That's Microsoft, so if you got an Apple, that doesn't count for you. But. All right. All right, here's another one. To inspire and nurture the human spirit one person, one cup, and one neighborhood at a time. Starbucks. All right. Okay, here, here, here's a hard one. To create an environment in which overeating is encouraged through incredibly tasty and amazingly unhealthy comfort food. That's shady. All right. No, that, that's... That's actually not theirs, you know? You know, I, I thought, everything is so well connected here in, in Lancaster County, i got to be very careful. Do we have any weavers here? We don't. All right. I'm, I'm going to show up on my birthday, and they're going to say, "Out, Yeah, get out. So, no. All right, a vision statement. So I'm taking you now to, to um, Joshua chapter 1, because uh, the children of Israel— are at the place where they are about to enter the promised land. And they have waited for this promise for generations. You know, it went back to Abraham. I'm going to give you this land. They were in Egypt for 400 years. They wandered for 40. So we're talking about a long time in waiting for the fulfillment of God's promise. And God says, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it. And now we're ready to do it. And so I thought, man, what a great place to uh, to talk about a God sized vision, because I don't think that Israel knew all that they were in for, both good and both on the challenge side, as they stood on the threshold of the promised land and said, "We're going to go in and we're going to take this land." And so, um, let go read some read this passage here, the first six verses. You can follow along if you'd like. Well, let me get through this. Joshua chapter one, verses one through six. Let's read God's vision. For the nation of Israel. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, and said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land that I'm going to give them. I promise you what I promised Moses wherever you set your foot, you will be on land that I've given you from the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains on the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you for as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land that I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Wow, now that's quite a, a vision statement, okay? Israel stands on God, what are you going to do? Uh, similar to the question we're asking today God, what are you going to do with Bethany Grace? What are you going to do in the next 10 years? It's exciting, isn't it, to see what God's up to? And so here is a God sized vision. We're going to talk a little bit about it here. The first thing that I want us to see out of this passage this morning. Is that a God-sized vision comes from God? Say, so, uh duh. Okay, all right. Well, we'll start just slow. A God-sized vision comes from God. Notice what I said. The Lord said to Joshua. And when we kind of glaze over that, it was like, well, of course a God-sized vision comes from God. That's pretty ridiculous. But when you think about it, think of all of the plans that we have in our lives that are our plans, and we never really stop to think: are they God's? You know, so a person might say, I'm going to be independently wealthy by age 35. How many of you said that? I did. How's that working for you? Huh. You know, okay, that's, 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 a, that's a vision. Uh, I'm going to go to Penn State. I'm going to major in biochemistry and get a job with a pharmaceutical company. Well, th- that's a, that sounds like a great plan. Is it God's plan? Is it what the Lord has for you? Uh, I'm going to raise perfect kids. Hmm, still working on that. Well, you know what? Um, That may not be God's plan. In fact, it's not God's plan because no one's perfect and we can't control outcomes, can we? We, So uh, how about this? I'm going to get a hair weave in preparation for my big TV ministry. (laughs) It's a plan. Is it God's plan? uh, You know, and seriously, as churches, we need to ask this question too. Is this God's plan? Is this God's plan? You know, and so pastors in particular, but also boards and other, we're going to build the biggest and the best and the this and that. You know, let's ask, stop and ask the question, God, what do you want us to become? Wow. You know what? And I would say to, to you that what God wants us to become, we are already becoming. When people join this church in partnership, I get very excited because that gift set that, that, that God is bringing in the door, we need here. And God can be up to something new by the very people that he brings in. You know, sometimes people come in and they say, oh, uh, there's no, I, I don't, you know, fill in the blank on the, on the missing ministry, whatever that is. Well, oh, we don't have enough youth or we don't have enough this or, or that. And people leave. It's like, no, 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 no. God brought you here for that purpose. Dig in. Get involved. It's a wide open. The sandbox is big. And so why did God bring you here? Maybe there is a unique contribution that you bring to Bethany Grace, and that is part of God's plan for you. So the first thing to ask is about a a God-sized vision or to, to, to observe is that it does, in fact, come from God. Have you asked God's opinion on your life? It's really what I'm. So in, in the in the uh, United States, spe- specifically here in, in the West, we um, get things mixed up. We think that God is like a a supplemental app that we add to our lives to make things go better. You know, and so if I trust God and if I give it hell to Him and if I if I put my money in the plate, God's going to kind of smooth the way for my life, and and my plans will kind of work out. Hmm. As churches, as people, we've got to ask this. We've got to say, everything in my life needs to be submitted to God. And so, teens, as you get ready to head off to college, ask this question well, what does God want? Maybe He does want you to go to rack or hack or do something or this or that, but stop. Ask the question, Lord, what do you want me to do? Tell you what, you will never, ever regret following the Lord. Never, ever. Adults, amen? amen? It's true. It's true. So, first thing about a God-sized vision is it comes from God. The second thing I want us to see is that it's bigger than you think. It's bigger than you think. Look at verse 3 and 4 here in the passage. It says, "...wherefore, uh, wherever you set foot, you will, uh, you will be on land that I've given you, from the Negev wilderness to the south of the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. Now, we look at the nation of Israel, and it's this teeny-weeny sliver of land, which is about the size of the state of New Jersey, right? And it's surrounded by all those Arab nations, and you're like, man, that is a tough place to be. And, and even the nation of Israel is kind of Swiss-cheesed right now. Uh, it's, it's, not, it's not a whole and contiguous land. But, but if you look at the boundaries... That God gave. This is what it looks like. Look at that. Okay, follow it from from the great sea. That's the Mediterranean Sea to the great river. That's the Euphrates. Way out there by uh, uh, by Iraq and, and all of that, and down to the, to Egypt. It's a huge portion of land that God promised. And in fact, the nation of Israel never fully realized that. But that's God's promise. So, you're like, wow, man, that is a huge piece of property to occupy. Yeah, it's bigger than you think. It's bigger than you think. Everywhere you set foot, you can't begin to comprehend. Let me ask you this what does God have planned for Bethany Grace? I'm not sure, but one thing I know for sure it's bigger than we think and i'm not talking bigger as numerically but it's 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 i love this passage in ephesians god is able to do exceedingly this is king james it always comes out i'm sorry exceedingly abundantly above that which you even ask or think that's amazing to think that what god might be doing in your life you haven't even thought of yet well that's scary isn't it yeah and that's what faith is all about the re, you know, people say all the time well god doesn't give you more than you can handle have you found that to be it's like no he consistently gives me more than i can handle right i mean i mean it's like i'm like i'm living out of a shoebox trying to trying to keep a house neat believe me this is more than i can handle it's like would somebody please buy this house so i can just throw my socks on the floor again you know <laughs> I'm like god consistently gives us more than we can handle why so we walk by faith, you know? And you say, God, every day there should be something on our plate. God, I can't handle this. Well, son, I'm glad we can have this talk. Walk with me today, and we'll handle this one together. That's what he wants. And so it's bigger than you think. Think about Esther. Um, you know, she she has big plans. She becomes queen. She ends up saving the nation uh, from extermination. Did, was that on her radar? No, she didn't even know. David, the shepherd boy, you think he turn, He thought, oh, you know, I'm going to turn into a giant slayer. No idea. Abraham, from childless to counting to see the stars, this is how, how, many, how big your offspring will be. The disciples went from, from fishing for fish to fishing for men. Paul went from a persecutor to a preacher. It was beyond their, their wildest imagination. And I'm here to tell you today, if you are a Christ follower, God's got something big in your, in your plans. You say, oh, good, that's wonderful. So uh, I can embrace God's vision, and there will be guaranteed success, and it will be smooth sailing from here on out. Mm, okay, let, let, let's, let's, be, let's have some honest equal time here. No. Um, so Isaiah followed God's plan. Uh, he wrote the prophetic book of the Bible, and they ended up sawing him in half hate to say that. Elijah uh, called down fire from heaven on Mount Carmel, and then he ended up running from his li- for his life from Jezebel. Uh, the disciples of Jesus, they preached, and they did all those wonderful miracles, and all but John ended up in, as a martyr. Um, Paul uh, spent uh, uh, the majority of his adult life uh, in ministry in prison. Of course, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament there. See how this works? And so when we say, I want to be perfectly clear, when we say I want to embrace God's plan for my life and it's bigger and better than I could ever anticipate, it's God's plan that we embrace. And so it's not just bigger than you think. That kind of leads us to the next one here. Oops, wrong way. It's harder than you think. It's harder than you think. Now let's not let that scare us Remember, this is what faith is all about. To walk by faith is not an easy thing. Because in verse 4, it says, he tells them all this expansive thing. It's going to, you're going to go from the, from the Mediterranean Sea to the Euphrates River to the great river of Nile. It's going to be huge. And then you notice in verse 4, he adds it, and the Hittite country. Well, what do you know about the Hittites? Huh? Friendly people? Good neighbors? Man, no, and in fact, it wasn't just the Hittites, it was all of the Ites. You remember the Eight brothers, right? The Jebusites, the, the uh, Perizzites, the Hivites, the, the, you know, I mean, on and on this went. And this is, these are the people that, that uh, 40 years earlier, Moses, they stood at the threshold of the, of the land and the 12 spies went in and the 10 said, uh-uh-uh, there are giants in the land. And Moses and Caleb said, no, we can do this, we can do this. Who won out on that one? They were discouraged, right? And so this is a, a, a central paradox of the Christian life. God gave Israel the land, and yet they had to fight for it. God gave them the land, and yet they had to fight for it. And I love that song that we sang today, and what our brother said about marching around Jericho. You know, what do you think they were thinking on time six and a half? This is the most ridiculous thing that I've ever done in my life, not knowing that God was going to come through. And so it's, it's the same for our Christian life. We experience victory that is already ours in Christ, but only to the degree that we follow, love, and obey. We have to fight for it, moment-by-moment moment dependence. Dependence. God gave them the land, but they had to fight for it. Now think about an area of your life that, um, you know, maybe it is this area of of raising kids. Man, I tell you what, there's a, well, there is a very good, actually, good manual on, on, on that. But it's not like they come with personalized instructions, you know. It's like, man, I know that God has given me the victory but you're going to have to fight for it in your family. Because the world is not going to sit down and just say, oh, what a nice, wonderful Christian family. The enemy is not going to say, just say, I think I'll give them a pass. It doesn't happen. Uh, guys, the, the fight for purity in your life is a fight, it's a fight that we have to take seriously. I was listening to a show on the way up uh, on Christian radio, and it said that 56% of all divorces involve uh, pornography on some level. Whoa. And then they, they were talking, they gave statistics, which I can't remember now, so I won't make it up on the spot like many people do. Uh, but the amount of, of church families and church pastors that are, that are involved in pornography is is off the charts. You wouldn't believe it. So you know what? God has given us the victory in Jesus Christ, but we have to fight for it. We have to fight for it. What area in your life is God saying, man, you've rolled over. You've got to stand up and fight for the victory which God has given you. So so a God-sized vision, it comes from God. It's bigger than you think. It's harder than you think. But it's impossible without faith. Now you know in Hebrews eleven six and and verses thirty and thirty one we won't take the time to actually actually go there but it talks about how uh, in that that um, that record of the faithful about how Israel was right and, and Abraham were right in the mix on that. It is impossible without faith. That verse one of Hebrews chapter 11. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell. And so, the God, a God sized vision involves stepping out in faith. So, so what is faith? Right. Some might say faith is a blind leap in the dark. Yeah, no. Our faith is much more rational than that. Uh, faith is just a feeling of confidence. No, because people can feel confident but be going in the wrong direction. Romans actually uh, ten seventeen talks about it. It says faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the by the word of God. Right, and so faith is trusting in the promises of God, trusting that in the promises of God in spite of circumstances. That's what faith is. Stepping out in faith. Last thing that I want us to see this morning about a God-sized vision is that it's for the glory of God. It's for the glory of God. So there are, are smatterings of, of verses throughout the Old Testament which talks about why God gave Israel the land in the first place. Isaiah 49.6 says, I will make you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. Isaiah 43.6 and 7 says, Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory." Uh, actually, In the New Testament, 1 Peter 2.9, uh, he has uh, us here um, on this world and on this globe uh, before the nations of the earth to show forth his praises. Philippians 2.15, so that you may become a blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. The same reason that God placed Israel on the earth back then is the same, place that, same reason that he has the church on the earth right now. It's to bring Him glory. It's to point to Him, to reflect to God, to God about, about Jesus and the, and the ultimate reality of His love for this world. So at, let's ask ourselves this morning, on a personal level, okay, so w- what am I about? What is my vision uh, for my family? Does it, does, it, does it sync with God's at all? And if I sink my my uh, my relationship with God with, with His vision, man, it it involves this. It, it involves uh, 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 submitting to God, uh, being bigger than we think, harder than we think, impossible without faith, and to the glory of God. Now, let's let's pivot here into uh, Bethany Grace because we have a we have a vision statement here. It's a little bit it's dim on the back. Off the turn. To be a thriving church that imitates Christ, impacts community for eternity, and is the unified body of Christ. So, as we, I've heard this before. Have you heard this before? To thrive, to impact, to unify? Well, let me say, that's a God sized vision. Can we do this on our own? Nope. Nope. We need to trust in God. So this, this vision of reaching out, of, uh, to thrive, to impact, to unify, man, it comes from God. It's bigger than we think. It's harder than we think. It's impossible without God, and it is for the glory of God. So uh, what does it mean to thrive? Well, I just jotted down some things. And again, please, we're going to discover this together as God moves us all forward. But man, John 10.10 says that Jesus came to give us life and life to the full. And and 2 Peter 1.3 says God gave us everything that we need for life and godliness. So when I think of thriving, I think of people, uh, I think of, of, of this place being a hotbed of healthy marriages. I think of this being a place in which uh, in which we have ra- raised up the next generation of faith, That teens are strong in their faith and they know what they believe and why they believe it, and that they're viewing their public school as a mission field. Uh, when when I see when I think of thriving. I think of men being supported in, in men's group, of women being supported in women's group, of, of marriages being strengthened, of people with addictions finding that you know what, this is a safe place to let down your guard. None of us have our act together. All of us need the grace of God. Man, a thriving church. I can I can feel that. Can you feel that? To thrive. And then when we get to, to a healthy place as, as, a, as a church body, then we can impact. Well, what, does that, what does that mean? Well, 2 Corinthians 5.20 says that we're ambassadors of Christ. God has placed us bloop, right in the middle of, of eastern Lancaster County to show what heaven looks like. Ooh, we're not so good at that, are we? Oh, man, we have a huge opportunity to impact others. So this question, what would God have us do in the next 10 years? And that involves local ministry, partnership with CrossNet. It involves the mission field. It involves sending out mission teams. It involves starting home groups all throughout this region so that, that uh, every neighborhood has a little outpost of Bethany Grace. And so when, uh, when needs pop up in the neighborhood, there are, there are home groups that are right there to meet that need. Life groups embedded all over, uh, sending out our own missionaries. That'd be cool. I mean, that, that is, that is a, about the coolest thing in the world. When God calls from us someone, a couple, a person, says, You know what? God is calling me to go serve on the foreign mission field. That's exciting. But you know what? When that happens, that's going to be your kids or mine, right? That's who it's going to be. And so to be supportive. And willing for God to use us to impact others, to unify. Well, John thirteen thirty five. I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. By this, will all men know that you're my disciples? By how you, by how you, how you love one another. It's amazing to me. The hallmark of the Christian church is to these guys really know how to love one another. Not they know how to eat each other, right? They know how to love each other. And so one of the things that I love about Bethany Grace, and I want to continue to foster here, is this idea of multi-generational church. I don't know if it's something in the water here or just the fact that that nobody ever moves, but I love the fact that that there are grandparents, parents, and kids that worship together. Do you have any idea how rare that is? You know, down in Northern Virginia where I've ministered for the last 18 years, it's like, it's like the, the young hipster church and the old, old people church and the, and, the, and the middle-aged church. We're not quite sure who we are. We want to be both, you know. It's like, let's worship together. One God, one faith, uh, one baptism in unity together. Uh, one of the things that I'm very passionate about is that the kingdom of God is larger than just here. And that God is doing a work, not just in Bethany Grace, but across all of uh, uh, eastern Lancaster County and churches who, call him, who preach the gospel and call him Lord. And so partnering together, oh, I really want to do that. Down in, uh, down in Virginia, it's like every, uh, there are so many mega churches that all the churches are independent of each other. I was telling somebody this uh, earlier. And so it's like, uh, well, do you want to band together for a recovery group? No, we got that. You want to band together and, and uh, do some do some outreach among the homeless? Oh no no we got we got our thing, and every church is like completely siloed. And I think I think man, and and it's and and then after silo it becomes territorial. They're like, well you're not gonna, you can't come over here. We, we we've got this 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 low low income housing housing development. You, you go over there. It's like, oh, this is the example that we're setting for 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 the world. Come, come, come believe in Jesus. He unifies us. Get out of my way. <laughs> wow. You know? And so for us as a church to enter in with humility and say, you know what, we don't have to reinvent the wheel for everything. We can partner with other, other churches that God is working with and see God's kingdom expand. Uh, there's, this, um, there's this quote, and, I'm, and this is just coming to me, and I'm really, really poor at pulling up quotes Half in my head when they're not written down, but maybe you've seen it. It's been circulating on Facebook, and it's a Ronald Reagan quote, and it's 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 something along the lines of mm, "Lord help me." It's it's um it's uh, there's no shortage of what a person can of of the good a person can do if they're if they don't care who gets the credit. That was a really poor thing. Ronald Reagan would have said that better, wouldn't he? But it's but it's true. If we as a church don't care who gets the credit, there's no end of good that we can accomplish. And so, to thrive, to impact, to unify, this idea of having a clear vision. Now, um, so we have uh, uh, Don uh, Renard with us, okay? And he preached last week. And so, uh, and he has a, t- a testimony, a story to tell, and I think it kind of it kind of brings this all together. When we have a clear vision about what God can do in and through us, He is faithful to do that. So, Don, where are you at? Oh, come on up, and where's the mic? Oh, he has it. All right, Don, take us home on this.
1: Uh, great to be with you here again this week and uh, so thankful to be here for this uh, message. Yeah, so um, as a leader of uh, 25 mission teams in Europe, one of the things that's a real privilege is to get to see what God's doing across a lot of different churches in a lot of different countries. And so um, a lot of the people that are coming to faith in Europe are actually people that are, are non-traditional Europeans. Muslims or Roma or whatever, but I heard of this church in Stockholm, Sweden, where a lot of former atheists were coming to Christ, dozens. And this is kind of unusual; like it's not the sort of thing that you just see all the time because it's it's hard for atheists to um, to often come to faith in Christ. So I visited the church and I and I was asking the pastor. I said, "Can you?" Can you just explain how this happens? I would love to learn from what you're doing here. And I said, "How does it happen?" And he said, "Well, what happens is that um, that we 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 reach out to people, and so they they come, and what they experience is is incredible love. They, they experience love that we have for for each other, and and we love them, and what they what we say to them is because they'll say, Man, you are such nice people. And they'll say, Well, actually, you know what? It's not um, ultimately us being nice, but we believe that that Jesus Christ, who we follow, his spirit is inside of us, and it's actually through him that we're able to love you with a love that's beyond our own. And atheists would, you know, would listen to this and say, huh. Oh, yeah, right. Uh, it seems kind of weird. But the thing is that they're drawn to something that is, is ultimately supernatural because the, the thing is that, that Muslims can be nice, atheists can be nice, any religion or non-religion, we can be nice. But only Christians have the Holy Spirit inside. And that means that only Christians have the ability to love beyond themselves, beyond what's just human, to love with God's love. So what has been happening in this church in Stockholm is that as people are like, well, I don't necessarily agree with what you're saying. But I can't deny that, that there is something going on here that's pretty amazing in the way you love each other. Because in this church, there are 30 nationalities from around the world represented there the kinds of people that normally hate each other. And so these people come into this church and they're like, I know that almost anywhere else in this city, almost anywhere else in the world, if you get this group of people together in this place, they'd be fighting. And yet somehow, somehow you're actually loving each other. And so over time, this, the testimony of, of this kind of love that unifies and bonds together people, they say, you know what? there must be something really to what you're talking about. And so even though it's truth that saves, it's love that brings people in. It's love that shows that the truth is true. Do you see what I'm saying? And so when I think about about your church, about where Bethany Grace is, and I look at the vision statement, and I'm, I'm looking at what I'm listening to what Pastor Steve just just shared, you have to understand that that this story I've just shared with you, I know Stockholm, Sweden may seem like a long ways away, but when I look at your vision statement, when I look at your mission mission statement, I see that this is already who you are. And this is what I feel. This is your DNA. And so this story is not just a story for some other faraway place. I really believe it, it is a foretaste of your story as you love Together, love one another well, bring others into the love that's not just your own, but it's the love of Christ. You bring other people into that, man, they're going to experience something they don't experience anywhere else, the supernatural love. And I'll tell you, every single person, I don't care what they say, every single person in this world needs and wants love. And the church, your church, can be the place that they find it. And then when they feel that, then they're ready and willing to hear truth. So may I encourage you with that today.
2: I'm
0: not going to tell you you can't come up here. You go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Don. Um, man, what a what an incredible story and a challenge for us to love people to Jesus. That's that's a great vision right there, to just love people to Jesus. So I don't know if you know this, but uh, our church has supported uh, Don and Rhonda for the past 17 years, I understand, and so we have a unique opportunity. They're getting ready to head back to the field in in February, and so I'm going to ask Rhonda, if you'll come on up, and uh, the elders that are here to come on up, and we just want to commission them uh, and pray for them uh, to send them out to do... Uh, the the same thing that we're doing here, to love others
2: to Jesus. And
0: so, uh, Jonathan, you're going to lead us? Okay.
2: Let's all pray together. Father, I just want to praise you, glorify you for what you're doing in the world. I thank you for being the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that you continue to draw people to you, and you continue to use us and invite us to be part of that process. God, I thank you for the faithfulness of the Renards to answer that call for foreign missions. And God, we do just want to send them out with a blessing, um, with your blessing. And so we join together as a group of your believers, uh, as a body, to say, Father, bless them, anoint their ministry. Uh, May they feel your presence as they go forth. And remind us uh, of them, remind us to pray for them as, as they need it. Uh, God, I lift up them uh, as they've just had some grandchildren and, and they're going to be feeling that, uh, missing those children. Uh, God, I just pray that you'll bring comfort in that area. And also as they continue to raise support, uh, bless. We know that you own the cattle on a thousand hills and, and you know exactly where their support's going to be coming from. And so uh, just, uh, again, thank you and praise you for what you're going to be doing. Bless Don and Rhonda Renard as they go forth in your name. In Jesus' name, amen.